you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Judges, chapter number 9 is on our heart today. There's nobody too far gone that our Lord can't touch. You may have a family member that's gone wayward. I would remind you that the Lord sent a whale after Jonah. And he sent the Holy Ghost after yours and he'll get hold of them and he'll get glory. You just keep praying. You trust him. He's going to come through. In the book of Judges chapter 9, I'll ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I want to read the first parable in the Bible. Judges chapter 9. Preached by a young man by the name of Jotham. Judges chapter 9, verse 7. And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? And the trees came to the fig tree. Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine. Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine which cheereth God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said all the trees under the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. I'll read off, I'll stop reading right there. Father, would you help us this morning as we preach the word of God? Father, would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us truth today? Would you help us, Father, to understand, comprehend? Would you help us to receive the word of God by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask today that you would empower us, help us, fill us with your words, your wisdom, your insight. In Jesus' name I ask, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. From these verses in Judges chapter 9, verses 7 through 15, I want to preach on this thought. A nation with thorns. A nation with thorns. Now I'm very proud to be an American. And if you're not, then maybe you can go somewhere else and do something about it. I believe that the book of Joshua, we see the great conquest of the nation of Israel. But in Judges, we begin to see how they lost the glory of God upon them. And in this Word from Jotham, he speaks about thorns. 
that the trees went to the olive tree, reign over us, and the olive tree said, I'm too busy. I have no desire to reign over other trees. I'm a tree myself. Went to the fig tree, I have no desire to reign over the trees. I'm a tree myself. Went to the vine, I have no business reigning over the trees. I'm too busy serving God and man. And went to the bramble bush, the thorns and the thistles, and said, reign over us. And the thorn says, yes, we will reign over you. Thorns are a result of sin. Thorns are a curse, a curse on the earth. Then a lot of times we wanted to cuss the thorns and the thistles when we were out fencing or working out in the yard. Say amen. Just down the little connector to the pastage, there's an azalea bush that blooms so beautifully and out of that thing is growing an ugly thorn briar bramble bush. It's growing up out of it trying to take over. The Lord said the earth because of sin would bear thorns and thistles. Dealing with sinful practices, God said in Judges chapter two, he said, I will not drive out the enemy. They will be thorns in your side. Snares, traps, scourges, thorns. He said in Isaiah 32, 13, in the land of my people come up briars and thorns upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. Matthew 13, 7 says, the sower went out to sow the good seed and some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them down. The thorns are the cares of this world. John 19, 5 says, they planted a crown of thorns and put it on our Savior's head. Then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Jesus was crowned with thorns which represented the sins of all mankind that he would take upon himself laying down his life that we might be saved. Number one, I want us to see the action of the uncompromised. Why, what is Jotham doing? Why is Jotham standing up there to preach? Well, he is saying, listen, you need to consider this bramble bush that you're turning your leadership over to and your guidance over to. Listen to what he said. He said in verse 15, if you will anoint me to be king over you, then you can put your trust in my shadow. Imagine for a second, a bramble bush, thorns and thistles being shade over you when it's 93 degrees outside. Down in my house, I have a tree, and up in that tree, a, a thorn and thistles are growing up in it. And the other day I was out mowing, it got too hot, I needed to sit down in the shade, got underneath that tree, and I looked up, there's a bramble bush growing up in it. That thing's coming down. That thing is pulling that tree down and it ought not to be there. I could not rest in the shade or the shadow of a thorn bush. I could rest in the shade and the shadow of the good tree that I was sitting under at the time. Imagine a bramble bush. He has no fruit. He has no shade. He has no timber. He has no lumber. All it did was rip me, cut me, shred me, choke, cling, 
It grows. It's hurtful. It's vexatious. It's hard to root out. Let me say this about a, a, a bramble bush. It began with a curse and fire will be its end. Here is Jotham standing up preaching on Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing. He is declaring the truth before all the people for their consideration. And once he's finished, he moves on and goes to the next place. I want to say this this morning. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Let the bramble bush grow. Let it take over the world. Let it take over the trees. I'm telling you, we're going to be in trouble. Now, I'm not calling out names. The names this morning will be protected to protect the guilty. I won't call names, so don't get worried. I'm just this morning preaching to you what Jotham said about Israel in their past, and it's a serious situation. There was a wife. She took her husband to the doctor. He was very, very sick. She went to the doctor. He, he checked him out. He asked him to step out to another room. He said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you, your husband is very ill. In fact, he's so sick, he's going to die if precautions are not made. She said, what can I do? He said, well, first of all, he needs to have a good nutritious breakfast every day. He's not eating right. She said, that's true. Second of all, he doesn't really need to be disturbed. He doesn't need to have stress. He doesn't need to have pressure. He's not able to get out and do chores. He's not really able to work around the house. She said, that's true. He said, really, you need to make sure that, 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 that you're always taking care of him and, and make sure that nothing really upsets him. Okay, have you got it? I've got it. She went back out. They got in the car. Her husband said, honey, what did the doctor say? He wouldn't let me hear the report. What did he say? She said, he said, you're going to die. This morning, today, your nation is in a crisis. And the crisis concerns leadership. And what we have here is the story of a pitiful leader and a nation that's in disarray. And by and large, we get the leadership that we deserve. Wicked rulers are God's reward for a wicked people. There is a difference between a statesman and a politician. A statesman works for the next generation. A politician works for the next election. Here's the action of the uncompromised. Jotham stood up and he preached it and he proclaimed it. He didn't go out and get a bunch of people to protest. He didn't get a bunch of picketers. He didn't get a bunch of names signed on a, 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 some type of paper to say we're in protest. He stood up and preached and went to the next place and see what God was going to do. How did he get in this predicament? Number two, I want us to see the apostasy of the unthankful. Let's go back to the previous chapter eight. We meet a great leader by the name of Gideon. We remember how Gideon, God used him to secure a great victory over the Midianites. And the Bible says, look with me in chapter 8, verse 22. The men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, 
and thy son, son. This is chapter 8, verse 22. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. Verse 23. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. Underline this. The Lord shall rule over you. Great victory, great conquest. And Gideon said, I'm not going to rule over you. My son's not going to rule over you. My son's son's not going to rule over you. That's not what God wants. That's not God's will. That's not God's way. We're going to trust God. Now, the Bible says in uh, verse 33, it came to pass that as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and made baal Berith their God. The children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side. Neither showed the kindness, showed they kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, namely Gideon. He has two names. According to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Is this not pitiful? God gave the mighty victory and they forgot it. And they went right off in immorality. This is the fifth time in the book of Judges that the people of Israel, the nation, has turned away from God, turned their back on what's right, and, and, and they decided we're going to do what's right in our own eyes. They have no spiritual focus. They have no biblical focus. There's trouble. There is not trouble and oppression from the outside. This is going to lead to trouble on the inside. May I say, it's going to be a thorn in their side that's going to spring up. Why? Because they're unthankful for what God has done for them. Our nation has become so unthankful for what God has done for us in the freedoms and the liberties that God has given us, that men and women have given their lives for us to sit here free today. And you may not want to hear about it, but honey, I'm telling you the truth, we're in trouble. And it's because we're unthankful. Number three, I see the arrogance of the ungodly. The arrogance of the ungodly. Chapter 9. The Bible says, And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbaal. Now who is this? Who is Jerubbaal? That is Gideon. Abimelech, his son, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them. Wait a minute. He went to Shechem to his mother's brethren. Oh, that bore me to study a little deeper. Come back to chapter 8. Just gonna have, we're going to have vacation Bible school this morning. The Bible says about Gideon in verse 28, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. And Jerubbaal, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Remember, he said, I will not rule over you. Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. He had 70 children. 70 sons. Verse 31. And his concubine, oh, that was in Shechem, she also buried him a son whose name was Abimelech. 
He had 70 sons through a harem of wives that God didn't agree with him doing it that way and stepped outside of marriage and he had one outside of wedlock that was illegitimate. And chapter 9, here's one stepping up saying, I'm going to commune with my mother's brethren and with all the family of the house of his mother's father. You see what he did? He's turning against his 70 brothers, half-brothers, and is relating to his mother's brethren, that would be his uncles and his cousins and all their family. We see the arrogance of the ungodly. Look what he does. He builds a coalition. Verse 2. He says, speak, chapter 9, speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you either that all the sons of Jerubael, which are three score and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. In other words, I'm just as much Gideon's family as they are, but wouldn't it be better if I ruled over you, because after all, I'm just like you. I'm one of you. I've come out of the middle class. I have a hard time just like you. You and I, we're relatable. Do you see what he's trying to do to build his coalition? Try to make you think that he's for you? Oh, boy. Look with me here. Um, uh, what he says, it's better for you that one and every. Remember also that I am... I, what does he say? I am your bone and your flesh. Wouldn't it be better if your own family was leading? Somebody just like you was leading than that other crowd leading? Listen to him build his coalition. You remember back in the 60s, Woodstock, all the hippies growing their long hair, putting their beads on, smoking weed, syringes doing dope having a good time, lovey-dovey, free everybody. Woo, what a great time they had. Some of y'all remember that. That same crowd now has shaved their beards, cut their hair, put shoes on, got a college education, went to Washington, D.C., and are now leading our country. And they're telling you, we're one of you. Now we start seeing where we may have gone wrong. They built a coalition. Let me tell you what else they did. He bought his constituents. Verse 3. His, I know you don't like it, but here we go. You better get with me. His mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem. Shechem. Well, that's, 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 not, that's, not, that's not Israel. All these words, and their Israel inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said... He is our brother. And they gave him three score and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Bereth. What is that? They gave him money out of the house of idolatry. He is in office out of immorality and idolatry. And sinful, wicked practice has endorsed him and embraced him and uplifted him. Read on. Seventy had seventy brothers. The Bible says, wherewith Abimelech, you ought to underline this, he hired vain and light persons which followed him. 
Vain. The word means worthless. Light means reckless and ruthless. He hired these men to follow and to create and to form and to lead his agenda to conquer the nation. He hired them. Put in office. He hired them. They followed him. Look what he does. Listen, this is a slap in the face of God. God was the ruler over the nation and this man just steps up and he buys and he influences and he buys the election to make himself the king. He installs himself as who is Israel's first king when they rejected God? Well, preacher Darren, it was Saul. Well, I'm getting ready to tell you it might have been Abimelech. Read with me in verse 5. He went... Watch how he brutalized his competition. He went into his father's house at Ophrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubal, being threescore and ten persons upon one stone. Do you see what he did? Now, listen, this is what thorns will do. Thorns will destroy you if you don't go along with the narrative. Thorns will tear you up and there'll be a, a, a problem in your side if you resist what they're trying to do. He put 70, uh, notwithstanding, yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubel, was left for he hid himself. He killed 69 out of 70. May I just say this morning, this is a government that's built on blood. He went to his father's house and killed 69 out of 70 of his brothers. Let me just say this about thorns or those about power. Those that want power do not care who they have to pull down, tear up, or crush as long as they get power. They'll make any promise. They'll say anything as long as they get the leadership. I think of the little babies and the innocent children that this nation has built herself upon. 60 million. You may say, Preacher Darren, the Supreme Court just changed that ruling. And man, thank God it has, and it is a start, but I'm telling you, war is on. And honey, I'm just going to tell you, it is on. Did you know the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington has 58,000 names on it of men and women that gave their lives over in Vietnam. God bless them. It's almost 500 feet long. But if you listed the 60 million names of the babies that we have murdered, that wall would be 97 miles long. And we sit here and say, I feel like the Supreme Court did an injustice. Oh, no. They did not do an injustice. And for you to speak against it tells me you're not happy because you are running on blood. You're building our nation on shifting sands. May I just say this? You can't build anything with a bramble briar. A bramble briar can't fix anything. 
All a bramble briar knows is how to destroy and how to tear down and, 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 and make things worse. It does not know how to build back better. Because it can't. It's out of ideas. It never had one to start with. All it knew was to destroy and pull down. And it's good at it. Where is the political leaders who said, defund the police? You can't find them now. Crime's gone up. Murder's gone up. But now you say, you was for defunding the police. Oh, no, I was never for it. I was just bringing attention to the Oh, dear Lord, help us. Such liars. It beats all I ever. I'm telling you, I'm stoked up this morning. I might preach till 11 o'clock tonight. He has built his government on constituents and brutalizing his competition. Watch what he does in verse 6. He begins with a false covenant. All the men of Shechem gathered together and all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech, what's the next word? They made him king. God didn't want a king. And Abimelech made himself king by empowering himself. And he did it by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Now what is that? The plain of the pillar. I looked it up. Joshua called all of Israel together. And they made an agreement before the Lord. Remember he said, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And in that place, Israel made a covenant with God and, and, jo and Joshua erected a pillar there, a statue there, a memorial there of that day of covenant. And now here comes Abimelech pretending to be all religious and all for peace like he hadn't just murdered 69 of his brothers like he's not just building, he's acting like it's not even going on. And here he stands, it's a farce. It's a false covenant. Listen to this. You don't get shade from thorns, thistles, tyrants, treachery. Wicked, godless leadership will not protect you and give you shade. Just can't happen. What we need is God. Number four, and I'm done. There is the admonition by the understanding. Jotham stands up. He said, let me tell you something. Thorns and thistles could not care less about those who've put him in office. He'll crush you just as much as he crushed my father's house. And he stood up and he declared it. Verse 16, now therefore, if you have done truly and sincerely, in that you have made Abimelech king, and if you have dwelt well, if you have dealt well with Jerubael and his house, and have done unto him according to the serving of his hands, for my father fought for you, and adventured his life far, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. Verse 19, if you then have dealt truly and sincerely with Jerubael and his house this day, then rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice America in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out of Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem, the very men that put him in office. Let me tell you what's good, what a bramble bush is good for. When I chop it down, I burn it. 
Because if you chop it down and lay it over in the woods somewhere, you may come along and step on it and it gets you again. After you thought it was dead, you just can't hardly get rid of that stuff. So it had to be burnt. The Bible says in verse 22, when Abimelech had reigned, how many years? Three years over Israel. Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Dissension began. He's about to show his true colors that he really can't help anybody. And everybody's starting to see it. And he can't blame everybody else for it because he's been there at least three years now. So his own problems are his own problems. Say amen. To make a long story short, it started affecting the economy. And he declared war on the very people that put him in office and he started killing them. He killed like a thousand of them. To make a long story short, jump ahead to verse 50. Then went Abimelech to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. I don't have time to preach everything. And there was a strong tower within the city and thither fled all the men and the women and all they of the city and shut it to them and got them to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came under the tower and fought against it. He went hard under the door of the tower to, what's he going to do? Burn it with fire. He said, shake them if you get underneath my shadow. If you don't, I'll burn you with fire. He's been doing it. He's ready to come to that strong tower. He's, listen, all he knows is destruction. All he knows is how to tear down. He does not know how to fix or make peace. He just knows how to tear down. And a certain woman cast of a millstone upon Abimelech's head and all to break his skull. He was come to that tower to burn it and he got too close and she leaned over the edge and she dropped a millstone. She dropped a rock. Oops! Smack, and down he went. It didn't just concuss him. It's almost killed him. Now, he's so filled with pride. He called hastily unto the young man, his armor bearer, and said, draw thy sword, slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. Let me just say this. In our nation, Rather than give God the glory, it seems like the gates of hell have been opened upon us and the floodgates of filth are pouring out on us. It seems like every politician wants to stand up and talk about morals and they want to talk about values. And when you ask them what values, they shut up because they don't have any and they don't know what real absolute authority and what real values are. We say the values of the word of God are like, I don't even believe that. And let me tell you something. God made the law. God is the law. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to tell you what it is. You hear, write this down. It is morality by majority. Let me tell you how that it's a poll. We run our nation based on statistics of polls. Let's take a poll and that's what we'll do. 
There are moving changes in our nation. George Washington, who I consider a father of our country, the first president of the United States said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. John Adams, the second president, said, our constitution was made for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Patrick Henry, the man who said, give me liberty or give me death, said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians. Not on religions but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for that reason alone, people of other faiths have been afforded the freedom to worship here. The U.S. Supreme Court in 1892 said, our laws and institutions must necessarily be based upon the teacher, the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in this sense, and to extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christians. Now, you don't have to realize very much to know that our nation was founded on the word of God. And all they're trying to do is rewrite the narrative to take it all out, to take the word of God out. They got the word of God out of school. They got prayer out of school. 1962, they took prayer out of school. 1965, listen to this. There's a young man praying over his lunch. I wrote down the court case. Reed versus Van Hoven and said it is unconstitutional for a student to pray out loud over his lunch. I tell you what we've done. We've moved from authority to feelings. We're run by polls. Let's find out what the people want and let's give it to them. Ooh, imagine Moses taking a poll in Egypt. How do you think that would have turned out? No longer do we ask, is it true? We ask, does it work? Sin is no longer the enemy. Sadness is. Sorrow is. To feel good about yourself is your number one priority. We've moved from convictions to opinions. I mean, people, few people have the convictions about anything other than their rights to be happy. That's what's being played out in your government today. This nation, our founding fathers, 1776, Declaration of Independence, 1787, Constitution was signed, 1789, the Bill of Rights. Man, you ought to go look up the Northwest Ordinance. Go study that thing. What a blessing. Listen, First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof. In 1962, 1965, 1967, listen to this, kindergarten teachers. The court ruled that the children in kindergarten must recite this prayer. We thank you for the flowers sweet. We thank you for the food we eat. We thank you for the birds that sing. We thank you for everything. Did you hear what they left out of it? doesn't say we thank God. It says we thank you. And the reason they said it was someone might think of God. 
How, how tragic. Someone might think of God and it would ruin our civilization. Bramble briars, thorn bushes. Then I got so much. In Alaska, they said the school children could not use the term Christmas anymore. Some places you can't bring a Bible even wrapped up in plain brown paper. Yet amazingly, our Congress and Senate opens every day with a prayer. San Francisco, the Ninth Circuit Court said that in the pledge, one nation under God is unconstitutional. It's offensive to atheists, so you cannot say it anymore. Now I got so much, I just got to go on. Let me just say this. You know what God wants to do to this nation? He doesn't want to have to judge it. He'd rather forgive it. And I really believe that there can be a revival. I really believe there can be a restoration. I really believe that there can be that we dare not lose hope. Remember, that crown of thorns was worn by Jesus to take away our sins that we might have salvation, that we might have forgiveness. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a lot of Americans that feel like we're in recession, culturally recession, and they're trying to escape. And the way to escape it is by restoring old-fashioned values. And some of your politicians are saying they're the guardians of it. My Bible still says where two or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst. The problem nowadays is when two or three gather in his name, the ACLU's there too. Amen! Across this nation, we need some men like Jotham that'll stand up on Mount Gerizim and say, they asked the olive tree, they asked the fig tree, they asked the vine, and they had no interest in trying to be over the trees because they're trees themselves. But to ask a bramble bush, yes, I'll do it. And all he is there is a puppet run by everybody else. And it's going to get our nation in trouble. Already has. I dare not call names to protect the guilty. You stand at your feet. You know what we need to do? Will you hear me this morning? There's a battle at the gates of the doors of this church. And we need to take our nation back. And the way we take it back is on our knees asking God, would you send us leadership? Would you send us godly men? God, would you send revival? God, would you help us? Which starts in the home. Would you give us a daddy? Would you give us a mama? Would you give us young people that are interested in the things of God? Are you motivated, church? Are you motivated, God? Restore us, God. Our Father and our God, we bow before you because we've sinned before you. God, we're an unthankful people. We have become arrogant. Lord, we don't investigate anything. We don't find out the truth of nothing. We just want to know, does it work for our pocketbooks? God, forgive us. 
for being ruled by our pocketbooks. And help us, God, to look for you, to look to you for leadership. Would you restore America to its place of prominence, to its place of leadership in the world? God, I'm asking you, would you touch her, God? Would you revive her? Would you fill her families, her churches with people who have a burden, a burden to stand? Jotham did not go get an army to protest. Jotham did not go out and try to make uh, problems burning down things. No. He stood up and preached the truth and said, if you've done sincerely, if you've done truly, rejoice. But if not, God will cause destruction and there'll be a fire to devour. God, I'm fearful of falling in the hands of a living God. Father, would you touch us? Would you forgive us, God? Would you restore us, Lord, I pray? Thank you, God, for giving us some words and some wisdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.